10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Live from Bristol, this is The Drive Home with Gemma Drinkle. Hello everyone, how are we doing? It's my first show of December and I am going into Christmas, so I hope you'll stay with me for it. We've got a really good show today. We've got some real diverse discussions going on, including what it's like to leave a headship, governorship, and also what should you be eating over Christmas? Eclectic mix today, I guarantee you, and I hope you stay with me for the whole show. Live from Bristol, this is The Drive Home with Gemma Drinkle on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. You know what, everyone? I've just realized that the one thing that is missing, missing from the jingle, this is not a criticism. <laughs> There's no jingle bells in it. There's no Christmasiness about it. it. Needs to be there, you know? So, hi, everyone. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Drive Home Show with me, Gemma Drinkle from Bristol. I hope that has been an amazing week with you so far and that actually the weather has been kind to you as well. Again, snow has not arrived in Bristol yet. It's just been miserably wet. So wherever you are in the country or in the world, I hope that it is a really nice space for you today. I've got a really cool show for you today. It's a real eclectic mix because I know that my previous shows have been quite um, directive in terms of, right, we're looking at this particular theme today. But today it's going to be a nice variety of things that I'm really looking forward to sharing with you. Um, we've got Julia Skinner, who's at the head's office on Twitter uh, with us today. And she is an absolutely fabulous gem of a human being. Um, and what she shares with us is is really brilliant and just gives us a really cool insight into um, life as a head teacher, life um, post headship as well. And also like the role and the importance of what uh, governors do and, and how it's really significant. I'm going back to my old themes that we should be looking after teacher well-being. And after that, I've got Cara Wheatley-McCrane on as well, who is a superhuman being. She is a former teacher turned mindful gut coach. And um, she's going to be sharing some really cool tips with you, not only about like how to generally just look after your gut and look after your like energy levels in the classroom, but also going back to Christmas. What is actually good for you to eat for Christmas and, you know, what's what's a good way to look after yourself. By the way, little clue, chocolate is on the list and it, and it's okay, but I'll, I'll let Cara share more with you later. In the meantime, let's get a bit of an update on the news and see what's going on in the world. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. The Children's Commissioner, Dame Rachel D'Souza, has warned the Prime Minister not to close schools in response to the Omicron variant, despite cases in the UK reaching 160. Speaking on the Andrew Marr show, she said, Lockdown was a terrible time for the whole nation. 
It's also why I think we must not close schools again. We must not. I would urge the Prime Minister not to close schools. The children want things back to normal. They took a huge hit for us. We must not close schools again. And my head teacher colleagues across the country are incredibly good at managing this situation. I watched them rush to support the most vulnerable. And I would definitely advise not to do this if there is any other option. 280,000 children were recorded absent from school on November the 25th. 2.6% of all pupils in England. Wrexham Council have supported young leaders in a project called Healthy Minds Haven, which is designed to improve mental well-being in school communities. There will be an event on the 15th of December to which senior leadership teams will be invited when they will learn how their school can become a healthy minds haven. Interim Clinical Service Manager from North Wales CAMS, School Inreach Service, Sophie Gorst, will speak about why she is supporting the campaign aim to improve mental health support for young people in schools. This has been your daily education news briefing. I've got a list of from Ghana, West Africa. Amazing. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, I'm Steve Woods and this is Two Minute Tech. Shortcuts are key combinations that allow tasks to be performed faster. You may be familiar with Ctrl-C for copy and V for paste. Here's one that may just change your life. Did you know there's a shortcut for bookmarking a web page? When browsing the internet, you can quickly bookmark a page by holding down Ctrl and pressing D. If on a Mac, it's Command and D. Once you press this key combination, you're presented with the option to save the page into your bookmarks. Now, that might not be the most earth-shattering revelation in your use of tech, but let's add a little more to the mix with an additional three-key combination. Hold Control, Shift and press B. You can also now show and hide your bookmarks bar. On this bar, you can park your most common bookmarks. Again, on a Mac, replace Control with the Command key, Command, Shift and B. The bookmarks bar can speed things up and you can arrange about 10 bookmarks by dragging them around. Now, let's apply this to teaching and improving efficiency. Do you use multiple websites in different lessons and spend time opening them individually? Is your bookmarks bar cluttered or do you drop hyperlinks into your presentations and then wait for them to open? Wouldn't it be great if you can open all your web pages in just a couple of clicks? Well, you can. When creating a bookmark, there's an option to make a folder. So while researching a lesson or topic, you can save bookmarks into one place using the wonderful Control-D. Here's the magic. If you right-click a folder and select Open All, guess what? All bookmarks in that folder open and new tabs ready for your lesson. So when you're planning, use Control-D and make a new folder. When you want them, all sites can almost instantly be on your screen and ready to go. Those shortcuts again. Control-D to bookmark, Shift-Control-B for the bookmarks bar, and right-click Open All to open all bookmarks in a folder. If on a Mac, replace Control with Command. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. That was 
That was a brilliant tech tip. I've never even thought to use control D for bookmarks. That's amazing. Um, as I was trying to say before I remembered that the um, tech tip was there, um, we've got listeners in Ghana, which is amazing. Hello to you. Thank you so much for joining us. And as we continue like the kind of Christmas theme and idea of what's going on at the moment, um, I'm really interested to hear from you, the listeners, what is going on in your schools at the moment? Um, RVA la I'm, I'm sorry I'm not quite sure how to pronounce that part RVA LA A um is our listener in Ghana and schools are open there so that's really fab to hear um it's really interesting to see what's going on at the moment particularly with like the nativities um some schools are cancelling them some schools are going online meanwhile the department of education is saying very much like yes you can do nativities and nativities are okay to do and I totally appreciate that some people are going to be feeling a bit nervous about that because, you know, public gatherings or larger groups of people are generally not really being encouraged, particularly um, with the onset of a new variant um, of COVID in society at the moment, that there's a question as to whether nativities should be taking place or not. So I would love to be hearing from you, the listeners, are your nativities going ahead or not? And likewise, um, the children's minister, um, Will Quinter said that, you know, the plan is for the government to, for the government is that the schools stay open. Is that the plan in your school? I mean, there are some serious like staff absences going on at the moment um, due to COVID and just generally all the illnesses that we get at this time of year anyway. Um, as the news reported, you know, it's children's absences at the moment um, are, are pretty high, really. So should schools be open at this point? I would love to hear your thoughts on that as well. In the meantime, I would love to share with you our um, first um, interview with um, Julia Skinner as well. Oh, fab, more news from Ghana. Um, Saying that district, they've not had any COVID-19 persons yet. That's really brilliant to hear. That is good. Wish I could say the same um, for the UK, but unfortunately not. So we have a um awesome interview ahead for you uh with julie skinner who um is on twitter as the at heads office um or at the heads office and she's going to be talking about um her experience of headship the work that she does now because despite being retired she's a ridiculously busy person um and has some really inspirational tales to tell about um education so Listen in, and I hope you enjoy the interview. Give me a sec to set up. Hi, Julia. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's lovely to have you on the show. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, Gemma. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so for the listeners who have not heard of Julia Skinner, where have you been? Um, she is a retired head teacher. She is passionate about school governance. She has um, the listening ear and also an international project, the 100 Words Challenge as well. I mean, you've just done so much and yet you're still so busy. You know, you say you're up every morning and, you know, that's just early you've got so much to do like how do you fit it all in <laughs> well with difficulty um when I, I when i retired i i thought that i would um be doing lunch i would be getting myself fit 
and I would um, read the classics. That was the idea. The only thing I had on my list was to learn to play the piano. Um, and we, we bought a keyboard just before I retired and it was under the under the bed for 10 years. It's only recently been, been taken out from that position and I'm just starting to have piano lessons. But as far as everything else was concerned, I just I just had this very simplistic idea that life would fill the list. And to be honest, um, that isn't how it happened. The first six months of my retirement were, were hell. I cried every day. Um, I went from worrying about 400 children, 60 staff, to my husband, who really doesn't need any, any looking after. And I, I suddenly felt found that I, I no longer had a purpose. I'm somebody who, who really appreciates the title. And I, you know, I was no longer a head teacher. And I think what I've learned in the, the 13 years or so since I retired is that the, the most important title that any of us can have is human being. Um, but it's taken me a long time to get there. So keeping busy was um, something that I didn't realise I needed to do. And gradually over the time, um, I've, I've added new things. And I, because I'm retired, I've had the opportunity of picking and choosing, I suppose. Um, the governance side of things, as a head teacher, I always wanted to have an effective board, mainly so that when Ofsted came or anybody came to inspect, I could always say, well, I told the governors and the governors agreed. Um, but, but seriously, you know, I, I knew that having a, an effective board would support the school. So I always intended to, to be a, a, a governor. Um, as far as Huntworth Challenge goes, I got myself into blogging quite early. Um, what got me out of the, the, the fog uh, was actually Twitter. A friend suggested that I join Twitter and um, I was always interested in, you know, IT and gadgets and things as a head. So, you know, when we when we chatted, when I was still in this terrible despair of, of retirement, um, she said, well, why don't you join, join Twitter? So I did and followed Stephen Fry because that's what everybody did at that time. <laughs> and, and that led me to discover blogging um, and a group that is, you know, disparagingly known as money bloggers. Amazing women out there writing amazing things. So I got into blogging and um, I, I got involved with a, an American group um, which was about Saturday Centres. It was um, very simple. The, the owner of the, the blog would set a prompt on a Saturday and we had an hour to write to respond to that prompt and you had to do it in a hundred words and I really enjoyed that weekly thing and gradually um, I, I, I was moving out of things but I did think well perhaps that was something that children could do I could adapt it for children and so a hundred word challenge was was born I, I set up a new identity of the head's office built a, an education network on Twitter um, and many who supported me 
um, with getting their classes to, to take part in the Hunter Work Challenge. And then um, the Southern Hemisphere discovered about discovered it. And so rather than working to a, um, a UK timetable, um, I then had to work to a world um, timetable. So it means 100 Word Challenge runs all the time apart from Christmas and Easter because those are the only two times when there isn't a child at school somewhere in the world. Um, and it's just been fascinating to see um, the different writing that we have. Um, and it's, it's been a real pleasure that people still continue to take part. So 100 Word Challenge really got me going. And then I was able to, to move alongside that with governance work. Uh, my husband is, is very much an organiser, uh, a bit OCD, so we have a calendar and, you know, sometimes he will frown when there are far too many things on the calendar. Um, the other thing that you mentioned that in the introduction was the listening ear. That was, that's all the fault of the pandemic. I found myself completely frustrated because I couldn't help at all. I wasn't able to go into school and help with hand sanitizers or one-way systems. And I just felt the only thing I had was time. So again, through Twitter, I just offered a listening ear and was amazed at the, the response. I, I've probably worked with over a hundred people um, through that. And it is just as it says on the tin, it is just a listening ear. Um, people have tried to introduce sort of coaching and things, um, which is fine. And I know I use some of those, those skills and those approaches, but it is just a safe space for people to talk. There is no fee. Um, people find that really difficult. Um, so what I've done is I've set up a, a just giving page for the Samaritans, simply so that people don't feel awkward. But I, I really couldn't couldn't claim a fee for chatting just like the 100 word challenge is completely free because again how could I charge schools for putting a picture up or a few words for children to write to um, so I suppose the, the the areas that I'm really involved in are very different but they are all connected because they're all connected to to education and it means that um, I have to keep uh, an interest in what's going on um, and it's also shown me that being on the earth for almost 70 years, I, I have a 70th birthday in January, um, has its advantages and sometimes I discover things I didn't really know I knew that other people find useful. <laughs> that's, that's so amazing Julia that there's there's I'm in awe right now. Like there's there's so much experience, so much um, giving and, and selflessness, and, and just kind of a, a wish to be of, of use to people. And and you know, even if it part of it may come from a, I need to keep myself busy um, framework, possibly at the beginning. I mean, I I'm really interested by what you said at the beginning um, about when you retired and that you know, just who were you without that that um, position of head teacher? Yeah. And I think um, I think for many teachers, you know, if they're at the point where they're just kind of like, I'm not really sure 
that I can keep going with this or actually maybe stacking shelves at a supermarket is going to be an easier life for me right now. That, that coming away from it, like as teachers, we do, it becomes our identity. You know, we, we forget to take our teacher mask off at the end of the day because we care so much about the students and, and that goes home with us. I mean, you mentioned that, you know, keeping busy helps and, and remembering that we're a human being first, but what, what would you say to people that are like in that position of real turmoil or thinking about leaving but don't know who they would be without it? Yeah, I think it's, um, you, you're right. And certainly for, for school leaders, for, head, for heads, um, it is even, even a greater pressure. And the profession is really bad at um, supporting people who are leaving. So when you become, when you decide if you're a head teacher um, or anybody in senior leaders and you decide that you're going to retire, it, you know, there's nothing major. Thankfully, you know, you, you haven't got to go in a crisis. You're just going to retire. You are absolutely inundated with stuff about pensions, with money, with finance, with, you know, insurance, all that sort of thing. But there is nothing to support your mental and emotional welfare because it is a wrench you know whether you're a, um, if, if you're a head teacher obviously you've been used to running a school if you're a class teacher as you say it is I, I firmly believe it isn't um, it isn't a job it's a vocation and if you're not prepared almost to devote 24-7 to it, then possibly think of something else. It shouldn't be like that, but then I suppose it should be like that because it's one of the most important jobs that there can be. Um, and so you do, you're right. I can remember when I was a class teacher going on holiday and I'm not thinking about school, but where I was, suddenly I found an artifact or something that I could buy because I was going to be doing that topic later in the year. Um, and I think the thing that the teachers are, we're magpies, you know, we, we just collect things, but that is all the time, and it is that, that approach. So I think for people who are, who are feeling under enormous pressure, um, they need to be 10% braver and just stop for a little while, give themselves a little bit of a breather, talk to somebody who's got nothing to do with their context, I, you know, I think it does help if the person you're talking to has been in education so that you've got some idea, you know, there are people who don't work in education, just think we're balmy, you know, we're just bonkers, why on earth are you, you know, why are you doing it like that, why have you got to do, you know, they think we're bonkers, so you do have to talk to somebody who has some understanding about the profession, but sometimes, I, I, I spoke to somebody earlier in the week, and I really felt by the end of um, the session that I hadn't helped at all. This person was, was a very confident woman, a leader, quite, um, quite definite in her approach. And I thought, I, I haven't actually told you anything or suggested anything or supported you. And I, I sort of gently said, well, I hope it's been of some use. She said, oh, my God, yes. So because you've you've shown me that I'm I'm thinking in the right way and that it isn't me. And I thought, gosh, I've never actually thought about that. Just being able to talk to someone who can affirm your thoughts and just give you that reassurance. 
that you know the world is bonkers at the moment teaching and education is completely bonkers at the moment and it's okay to feel to feel barking um i think one of the things that i have learned since retiring having gone through that six months and and it's all down to my wonderful husband is you have to force yourself to have something else now this is again something that teachers are very bad at and you know you'll go on a course or you'll go to a conference you'll sit around a table and sometimes we fill them out on little postcards and put them in a, an envelope you know we make a pledge to ourselves that we're going to focus on our well-being and everything and possibly you, you carry it out for a week but after that it's, it's just gone because school takes over school is more important so i think particularly at the moment you know we all need to be very selfish and just find one thing that you are going to commit to each week and that may be going for a swim that may be going outside for your lunch something as simple as that going outside for your lunch because the fresh air is the best medicine we can all have at the moment i know it you know i'm, I'm not supporting the government saying that's what you've got to do for COVID. Yeah. it is quite useful but you know there is nothing like going outside taking some deep breaths looking up to the sky just noticing the trees and if you're able to do that two or three times a week and you know that this is your time it can make a huge difference um because that's what we need we need educators to feel good about themselves and we have to find that because of the situation we find ourselves in we have to find that in ourselves and what's around so um doing that sort of thing if you're able to talk to somebody um then do so um but don't see it as a chore i think that you know there's been a huge rise in in coaching and mentoring and certainly it's much needed and you know perhaps we can mention about supporting governance but I, what i don't want is for it to have become a business where school leaders think it's another initiative and it's something else i've got to fit in it, it it's it's there there are loads and loads of people offering that support um, but it's really important that you you find what you need um at the time i mentioned supporting governance chairs of governors particularly have gone through a huge amount of pressure over the pandemic um because we felt and, and it's not just retired head teachers who happen to be chairs um as chairs um you you do take on a responsibility for your schools for their for the children for the head teacher and this the the fact that we couldn't go in we couldn't take a, you know some biscuits or some flowers we couldn't go and just give people a hug made it really hard particularly when you were then asked to agree a risk assessment that you know sounds incredibly dramatic but if you got that risk assessment wrong particularly at the beginning it could be a matter of life or death and that was huge responsibility for, for head teachers to have and there are many chairs who try to share that responsibility and i do think that the time has now come we've we've 
coaching being um, people understanding what coaching and um, just talking, what support that can be, that we now look towards governance. You know, we all do it because, mainly because we're bonkers probably, but we all do it because we, we want to help. But of course, we, we don't get paid. I and mean, for most of us, we don't want to be paid. Sometimes we don't get any recognition at all. Ofsted very rarely mentions us in reports now. But we do have this key role. You know, just being able to hold a head teacher together at the moment is an immense responsibility, but it is vital. You know, um, and I know there are lots of colleagues on Twitter that have said, oh, I, I wouldn't have been able to have done it without my chair. Um, so I think we do need to look towards, you know, offering um, those in governance um, some support, you know, governors that, that hold the, the SEND or the safeguarding, you know, some of the things we, we have to deal with. You, you didn't know that when you signed up. Um, I think most of us would still sign up, but it is about saying, right, okay, you need you need some support as well. Um, I can't remember where what the question was, Gemma, or <laughs> where that went, but um, I, mean, I apologise because I'm inclined to go off on tangents. I mean, it's 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 so much valuable content. I think you know the mention of, of coaching and mentoring. I mean, that that's the realm that I work in now. Um, it, it is just having that that space um and i know many teachers will be like well i haven't got time and, and you know is it another initiative is it another agenda but very often it's like you said we like to say the fresh air it's you have to make time for it um you know my guest last week tom summerby he does ultimate frisbee every week like that's his thing that he does yeah. and yeah. without that that external thing you know, I'm kind of at this time, yeah, reminded of like Christmas trees. Like, you know, we put all the lights on first and we're like, oh, isn't that pretty? And, you know, that's kind of like what it is as a, as a teacher. If all you think about is the teaching because you're like, you know, you've got some lovely light bricks, you've got your lovely bright ideas. It looks pretty. But it's only when you add the baubles, the tinsel, the star and everything that actually the tree comes to life. And teachers need to do that to themselves. They need to bring themselves to life because that's how they serve themselves but also how you can best serve your students as well yeah. and i think also um the the thing one of the things that saved me was um the routine that my husband insisted that we had as i said at the beginning he's the ocd so so we still have a, have a routine we have a working week um so on mondays and thursdays we go shopping tuesdays we you know do the washing um i clean the house we try and go out on a Wednesday and, and take a picnic with us. And so because we always did it, we always go to the pub on a Friday. And those of you that follow me on Twitter will know I, I post Friday pint. And he used to pick me up from school um, at six, about six o'clock um, on a Friday and we would go to the pub. So we still go to the pub. So we have that organization of a working week. But one of the other things that is part of that routine um, is a jigsaw puzzle and I have a jigsaw puzzle on my dining room table all the time it's not the same jigsaw puzzle I, I, I reassure everybody but for the last 10 years there has always been a jigsaw puzzle on the dining room table and um, 
when life really gets hard and when I'm, you know, ready to just give it all up and sit on the settee, I will do some jigsaw puzzle because you, you have to concentrate on the jigsaw puzzle. And it's really interesting because anybody that visits the house always has to go and try and put a piece in. And I've seen when we've gone to um, National Trust houses, quite often they will get an old fashioned jigsaw puzzle out and people just cannot resist it. But the reason I'm telling you about my jigsaw puzzle is it is very simple and it is there. And when you are doing it, you are concentrating. And that's what people need to do. It doesn't need to be a huge grand thing when you're looking after yourself. You need to identify something that you can do possibly for just 10 minutes that you are completely engaged in. So it might be a reading book. It might be the jigsaw puzzle. I'm hoping it will become learning to play the piano, although that's a little bit difficult because I'm very impatient. Um, and so, so that's what I would say to people. When you are feeling like the Christmas tree when everything's been taken off and a lot of your needles are on the floor, um, just find that 10, 10 minutes just to take yourself out of wherever you are do some deep breathing. I'm a great believer in breathing. Um, and, you know, just find that peace. And then you can move on and do those, you know, take the next step or possibly then look to something like coaching or, um, or mentoring. Because you're right, time, we're, we're not very good, I don't think, with time. We always say we're very busy. But are we? Are we just bad users of time? I, you know, I, I was always busy. Um, and yet, you know, I didn't do very well with, with using time effectively and efficiently. But that was partly because, you know, I, I hadn't got the idea of making sure Julia was fit and well and happy. You know, I just thought, and I think some of us, we, we get into this, we just think when you become a teacher, you you are going to be a frazzled wreck you are supposed to be exhausted you are supposed to just want to collapse all the time no I, I, that isn't what being a teacher is about and in fact it's probably the worst thing to do because those little buttons as you said need you bright and chirpy they need you full of awe and wonder and um we do need to, you know, put the, the old oxygen masks on ourselves first. Um, so I think the profession has has a responsibility to, to start saying, no, actually, if you are exhausted, there's something wrong. Let's explore it, um, which obviously is where coaching can come in. Yeah, I think it's, it's also... You're right. It, it is it is a, an issue with the profession as a whole because it's it's like this badge of honour. Oh, I'm so tired. I was up so late. I did all of this marking. Look how intensely I've marked my books. It's like that's good for you, but that that's that's not what we're meant to be aspiring to. We kind of no. further feed that. that yeah. Oh, everyone else is exhausted. So if I'm not exhausted, I'm not working hard enough. So I need to work hard to be more exhausted because that's that's what I'm meant to be. Yeah. And as a retired educator, I can put my hands up to say, I continue to do that. Probably, there's probably still an element in me 
Um, do I really deserve that Friday pint? Have I worked really hard this week? And when I when I think about work, um, it's always um, school. You know, I might have cleaned the house. I might have done a huge amount of gardening. You know, but that isn't work in my head. Work is about school, and so it takes. You know, I don't know that I'll ever get rid of it. So when you when you are an educator, you really do need to learn to to not see that badge of honour uh, and actually say, well, no, oh, whoops, you know, that's the equivalent of a detention because it does get under your skin. You know, as I say, I'm I'm 17 January. I was, you know, I, I was in the profession not that long, but um, I was in the profession for about 25 years, all told. I always wanted to be a teacher, always. My neighbours, children, you know, I used to sit them in the garden in rows and um, at Christmas time, my cousins were always, you know, in front of me, it's always me at the front and them sitting down. So so education and, and being a teacher is part of my DNA. When you take on that, um, that badge of honour, it is so hard to get rid of. And, and to actually say, no, actually, you're not doing very well. You're not being a good teacher because you are so exhausted. I found that really interesting that once I retired, you know, everybody thinks, oh, retirement, oh, you have all this time. But then I just put all that pressure on myself because I was still, we go right way back to the beginning of our conversation, I was still fighting to be a head teacher. And of course, once I retired, there was no way I could. I could be, be hold that label, so I still refer to myself as a retired head teacher. Why? You know, I haven't been a head teacher for I don't know fifteen years, um, but it's still important because it it is still part of who I am. Um, so it is, you know, the psychology of it is is fascinating. But I think we do have those old timers like me. We do have a responsibility, certainly to our youngsters coming into the profession. They must understand that it isn't a nine to five job and enjoy because it's not a nine to five job, but make sure that, you know, they enjoy it first, you know, that they want to get there and find out how the children are and see what they do with their planning. Um, we, we, we've got a lot of work to do, but you know, I think being aware of what's needed um, will be the first step. Yeah, for sure. Oh, Julia, I could talk to you all day long. You are such a lovely person to speak to. It's so fascinating to hear from you. You have so much wisdom. Um, but we have, we're, we're running out of time. Um, but I just want to say thank you so much. If, if people want to get in touch with you, Twitter sounds like a good place, but how can they get, in, get a hold of you? Um, well, Twitter, I'm at the head's office on Twitter. Um, I've, I've got, you know, LinkedIn profile. I'm on, uh, I've got a Facebook. Um, and you can always drop me an email. I'm jskinner675 at gmail.com. Amazing. I'm sure you will have an influx of people talking to you because you've just got so much to offer. Thank you so much. It's been lovely to Thank chat. You. It's been great. Have. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DFE-validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, 
and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. During that interview, there were so many comments coming through and it's really lovely to see such engagement. Um, Noreen said that governance is hugely important and needs dedicated and honest people. You're absolutely right. And that level of responsibility and pressure that Julia spoke about that um, governors have been under, particularly during the pandemic, you know, looking after the well-being of their head teachers and, and completing risk assessments and things for schools is is such a huge pressure and and i mean i i as a when i was a teacher i you know i i knew who the governors were and i met them once or twice but i didn't really engage that much with like actually the impact they were having or what difference they were making so talking to julie was a really awesome um uh highlight of that really um, Ravala from uh, Ghana said that Julie's just like her mum uh, when she retired from teaching she couldn't just sit um, at home she went on to help various women in the various villages to educate them on various things like how to make like local soup, uh, local made soup uh, soap <laughs> um, and, and other things until she passed away in 2017 that sounds utterly amazing and and like you say you know they say in Ghana that once a teacher, always a teacher. And I think that's that's generally quite an international phrase in a way because, you know, th there is just that kind of part of you that always remains a teacher in, in whatever format. You know, um, I'm doing work at the moment that will be um, group-based uh, in the new year. And I'm so excited to be creating like PowerPoints and resources. I'm just like really excited about that creativity bit because it is just that that like teaching and wanting to help people. I definitely miss uh, spending time with the students. They are the best bit. Um, and yeah, you're absolutely right, um, Ravala. It's you know there doesn't seem to be a lot of um, support after retirement, and it's not very good that that that's not the case. Um, and yeah, you have to force yourself to do things outside of school. And, and Julia did talk about that extensively, you know, being 10% braver and just stopping yourself and saying, right, actually, let's pause. And we're not great at that as teachers. Um, as Julia said, you know, we, we, we push ourselves further and further. Um, we want to do the very best for our students. Um, we want to be the very best for our colleagues as well. But I do kind of feel that sometimes our perspective on reality kind of becomes quite warped because, I mean, I remember, you know, having a to-do list as long as my arm and being frustrated that I had to teach because I was like, well, this is great and everything. It's lovely to see you all. Of course, you know, hello, 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 as you all come in. But I have a to-do list that I need to deal with and you're stopping me from doing that. And that's, you know... It, the to-do list that we talk about and that workload and not being able to switch off like it's 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 not the focus of teaching the focus of teaching is the students it's it's spending time with the students you know if you ask any teacher majority of them will say yep the best bit is being in the classroom with the students and developing those relationships with them and the to-do list 
is obviously like you know some of it's important some of it can definitely kind of be quietly slipped off the edge and and not looked at again it it's kind of it warps our perspective and kind of makes us think that that's the important thing about our jobs and it's simply not the case and if you critically look at your to-do list I'm sure you will find things that you can delegate or you can just you know take off the list altogether without doing and that way you can then force yourself to do things that are outside of teaching like you add to the students it's not being a teacher that adds to the students it is you that adds to the students you know one of my favorite memories of being a teacher was telling my year 10 um gcse class that um i can't remember what it was but i was using the analogy that my orchid was the one plant in the house that my partner doesn't water (laughs) he waters all the other plants but that's my plant so apparently i have to deal with it and then that just became a good thing where each week they were like miss how's your orchid doing has your partner watered it for you yet? And it's just, it's you. It's the things about you that your students want to know and, and come to love about you. It's not um, just the subject. It's not just kind of the external aspect of you. It is, it's you. So you've got to add to your own life so that you can then add to your students' life as well. Um, nature, yep, nature is mentioned during that and it's really cool to be outside um, in nature. And Ravala also said, you know, it's okay to refer yourself as a retired head teacher. There is nothing wrong with that. You're right, not in the slightest. And I'm really glad that you appreciated the random story about the orchid as well. Yeah, it's not just you as a teacher. It's not only um, it's not only the subject, it is, it is about you. You know, the teachers that we remember, the ones that we built those relationships with. And um, we don't build relationships with our to-do lists generally. So, um, you know, let's let's we change our perspective a bit right oh I went into a bit of a rant mode there there's a surprise for me (laughs) but but now we are just going to go back to the news recently just have a um a quick run through that and we'll get ready to hear um our next interview with Cara McGrain um Cara Wheatley McGrain sorry who talks all about uh having a mindful gut perspective um Ravala it's amazing to hear that you're also a teacher that's fab be back with you in a sec this is teachers talk radio and this is teachers talk radio news with gail glenn the children's commissioner dean rachel d'souza has warned the Prime Minister not to close schools in response to the Omicron variant, despite cases in the UK reaching 160. Speaking on the Andrew Marr show, she said, Lockdown was a terrible time for the whole nation. It's also why I think we must not close schools again. We must not. I would urge the Prime Minister not to close schools. The children want things back to normal. They took a huge hit for us. We must not close schools again. And my head teacher colleagues across the country are incredibly good at managing this situation. I watched them rush to support the most vulnerable. And I would definitely advise not to do this if there is any other option. 280,000 children were recorded absent from school on November the 25th. 2.6% of all pupils in England.
Wrexham Council have supported young leaders in a project called Healthy Minds Haven, which is designed to improve mental well-being in school communities. There will be an event on the 15th of December to which senior leadership teams will be invited when they will learn how their school can become a healthy minds haven. Interim Clinical Service Manager from North Wales CAMS, School Inreach Service, Sophie Gorst, will speak about why she is supporting the campaign aim to improve mental health support for young people in schools. This has been your daily education news briefing. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, I'm Steve Woods and this is Two Minute Tech. Shortcuts are key combinations that allow tasks to be performed faster. You may be familiar with Ctrl-C for copy and V for paste. Here's one that may just change your life. Did you know there's a shortcut for bookmarking a web page? When browsing the internet, you can quickly bookmark a page by holding down Ctrl and pressing D. If on a Mac, it's Command and D. Once you press this key combination, you're presented with the option to save the page into your bookmarks. Now, that might not be the most earth-shattering revelation in your use of tech, but let's add a little more to the mix with an additional three-key combination. Hold Ctrl, Shift and press B. You can also now show and hide your bookmarks bar. On this bar, you can park your most common bookmarks. Again, on a Mac, replace Ctrl with the Command key, Command, Shift and B. The bookmarks bar can speed things up and you can arrange about 10 bookmarks by dragging them around. Now let's apply this to teaching and improving efficiency. Do you use multiple websites in different lessons and spend time opening them individually? Is your bookmarks bar cluttered or do you drop hyperlinks into your presentations and then wait for them to open? Wouldn't it be great if you can open all your web pages in just a couple of clicks? Well, you can. When creating a bookmark, there's an option to make a folder. So while researching a lesson or topic, you can save bookmarks into one place using the wonderful Control D. Here's the magic. If you right click a folder and select open all, guess what? All bookmarks in that folder open in new tabs ready for your lesson. So when you're planning, use Control D and make a new folder. When you want them, all sites can almost instantly be on your screen and ready to go. Those shortcuts again. Control D to bookmark, Shift Control B for the bookmarks bar, and right click Open All to open all bookmarks in a folder. If on a Mac, replace Control with Command. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. I suppose the risk with opening all the tabs at, like ahead of the lesson is making sure that any videos on YouTube actually don't start playing straight away. <laughs> I always found that to be the problem. They just started all the adverts. I always loved the clear blue advert with a key stage three class. That was always my favorite advert to turn up in my lessons. Um, so moving on from clear blue, we are going to now listen to Cara Wheatley-McGrain, who is a mindful gut expert. And I've asked you, what is your favorite food over the Christmas period? And let's see if it lands on the green list um, that Cara mentions, although it's not really a green list, but you know what I mean. So give me a sec to set up and I hope you enjoy the interview.
Hi, Cara. Thank you so much for joining me on Teachers Talk Radio today. Gamma, it's a real pleasure to be here. <laughs> so, um, for people listening, uh, Cara and I go way back. We um, met on a course uh, a year or so ago, and we've been really good friends ever since, and she's an amazing person. I'm so excited to have her on the show with us today. Cara, for the benefit of everyone, who are you? What do you do? What's, what's, what's going on with you? Well, Gemma, so I'm really excited to introduce myself on your show. Um, I am a Hay House author of Calm Your Gut, which is going to be hot off the press in January. So it's a great time for people to be thinking about their gut health um, just before Christmas. I'm also a wellbeing coach and I'm the founder of the Mindful Gut UK. Nice. And, you know, this is a Teachers Talk Radio, so yes, we're, we're good friends, and that, that's partly why I'm so delighted to have the chat with you. But where's the education connection for you as well? Well, um, as, we, as you know, because uh, we've uh, chatted quite a bit about education in the past, my role for many years was as an educational consultant, and I worked in primarily colleges, but I did a little bit of work in schools as well. And actually, one of my core values is lifelong learning. So I believe that um, across our lifetime, we're always acquiring new skills, new knowledge, and it's a real passion of mine. I'm I'm still very keenly connected to education, so I still do some work, um, both as a coach and consultant in education. And also I do talks um, specifically about the links between gut health and mental health, which is quite a hot topic in, in schools, particularly mental health. Yeah, for sure. I mean teachers at the moment just general message i'm hearing is like i just need to get to christmas and that's that i just need to we're all in survival mode really at the moment and it'd be nice to actually feel happier and thrive and feel well in in the classroom as well yeah i do remember my time as a teacher this term is a tough term Um, both as a teacher and also as a manager managing and supporting your team through this first term it's often about settling the students in September Um, it's a busy time it's a long term I remember it being a long one getting through to Christmas and kind of you know sometimes you you can see people literally kind of dragging themselves through to the end of term um, thinking about how they can offer pupils and students a good experience but they're actually just tired physically very tired um so yeah there are things we we might be able to do in terms of our energy levels to support ourselves and our well-being at this time of year and i'm really happy to share some of those as well in this in this chat we have today that would be amazing i mean i i definitely remember for me the christmas term was yeah i know i have a packed lunch but i'm i'm going to go to the little shop and i'm going to buy cookies I, I need cookies right now. I need cookie. I just need sugar. Was usually this point of the term for me. What What would be a better option though for teachers that are in that like give me sugar stage of of term? Yeah, I know that. I'm familiar with the give me sugar, and the, I suppose the problem we kind of intuitively know is that when we have sugar, we get that lovely kind of energy high, we might feel good for a little bit, but then we get the crash, and then we feel worse. Um, and I know this time of year, uh, staff rooms will have a lot of boxes of chocolates and sweets and treats, which are very high sugar, probably quite processed as well. Um, and one thing I would recommend is uh, to swap out kind of high sugar chocolates with dark chocolate. 
Um, dark chocolate is actually an amazing health food. Um, dark chocolate is rich in polyphenols um, and it's really good for your cardiovascular health. It's evidence it's good for your concentration. So a little bit of dark chocolate, not necessarily the whole bar, but a bit of dark <laughs> chocolate um, to swap out. So you can get some lovely collection boxes of dark chocolates. Um, that much better than having kind of like the more milk-based high-sugar chocolates. That is good. I'm, I'm kind of disappointed you say don't have the whole bar because I was like, this is like a free ticket to still eat chocolate. <laughs> um, you also mentioned about lunch and I think you were talking about the difference between kind of packed lunch and school lunches. And and I think there's a, there's a real a need for us, particularly at this time of year when it's a little bit colder for us to have something warming, something filling that's going to help our energy levels. Um, so it's thinking about how we access protein, which will make us feel better, make us feel sated for longer. Um, and another thing when we talk about gut health in particular is I'm a, a real advocate of diversity. So if you have the same kind of sandwich or the same meal every day or very similar across the week, it's actually not very good for your gut health. So what we're looking for is diversity. We're trying to mix it up. How can we have different ingredients, different combinations of foods? Because actually, when we do that, what we do is we take care of what's called our gut microbiome. And I, I don't know if your listeners might have heard of the gut microbiome. It's kind of quite a popular area of research at the moment. Um, I talk about it quite a bit in my book. And the gut microbiome is this amazing inner world of bacteria that live in our gut. And actually, the gut microbiome is really linked to our immune health, our mental health, our energy levels. So it's a pretty important thing to be aware of. And the gut microbiome um, actually needs lots of different foods to keep it healthy, because what we want is a diverse gut microbiome. Um, and what's particularly interesting about the gut microbiome of your average Westerner living in the UK is that our gut microbiomes tend to be lacking in diversity, lacking in the range of bacteria compared to people who eat maybe more whole foods, more natural plant-based diet. Um, so when we're looking at our lunchbox and we're thinking about um, the approach of Christmas, it's great to be thinking about how can I pack my diet with as much as possible real foods and diverse foods. Um, and I can tell you a little bit more about what those foods might be, but um, the main thing is to think about across the week, how am I packing in different fruits and vegetables in particular? That's, that's really resonating with me at the moment because I was unwell a couple of weeks ago. And when I'm unwell, the thing that goes out of my diet first is, is fruit. And, and then it takes me a little while to then get back into the habit of it. It's really strange. It, prefer it of eating anything as, as a habit wise but it, it's it's having that, that diversity as you said yeah and i think um it's interesting isn't it the patterns the habits of eating behavior that we have it's very easy to get into a routine certainly it's very easy when you go around to see a supermarket shop for example to go okay this is what we get this is the order we get it move around the aisles you pick up the regular ingredients you take at home and one of the things I do when I'm working um, in my group coaching sessions is I really encourage people to, to be a bit playful and be a bit experimental and go, okay, I'm going to choose an ingredient I've never bought before. I'm going to go and look, particularly at the vegetables, maybe the fruit. I'm going to pick up something I've never had. I don't even know what it is. How, I might have to look up, I might have to Google how to prepare it. 
And that is a sure sign that you are going to be giving your gut bugs, your gut bacteria, your gut microbiome, something completely new that actually might really support them, might really nourish them because it's different rather than the same ingredients that you always have. And I think there can be something quite fun. And, you know, we're in the festive season. You know, there's some really interesting ingredients on our food aisles at the moment. So, again, I would encourage your listeners to go, actually, what can we buy that we don't normally eat? We don't usually eat. And that diversity is super good. It's really protective towards our gut bacteria. And one of the things that I sometimes talk about, which is a really easy takeaway, because sometimes I'm like, what is good? What, what actually is good for my gut? What's good for my well-being? I talk about something called the three Ps. Mm-hmm. And these are probiotics, prebiotics, and polyphenols. Um, and I'll share a little bit about what they are. So um, probiotics, you might have heard of, because people talk about probiotic tablets, and you can take them in you know, pill form and swallow them down. Um, with a bit of water, but actually you can also eat your probiotics. Not everyone knows that, but you can eat your probiotics, things like live yogurt, um, kaffir, butcher, miso. And what you're basically doing is eating fermented foods which have live bacteria in them, and then you're increasing the number of bacteria that you have in your gut. And that's really beneficial because we want a lot of bacteria and we want a diverse range of them. And then prebiotics, um, the analogy I sometimes use is they're a little bit like a fertilizer. Um, they're the things that once you've got the good bacteria in you, and you've got lots of them, is you want them to thrive, you want them to be nourished, you want them to do really well. So you give them prebiotics. And prebiotic foods are foods that are basically high in fiber, but the fiber remains intact when you take it through your digestive system and it gets through to the large intestine, which is where most of our bacteria live. And so we're talking about things like um, apples, um, usually unripe bananas are a great prebiotic. Um, the allium family, so that's the leeks, garlics, onions. Be careful with those if you do have IBS symptoms, though, because they can sometimes be a trigger. Um, and these kind of foods are wonderful ways of supporting our live bacteria to, to flourish and do really well. And then finally, polyphenols. I've already given you one of those because dark chocolate is a brilliant polyphenol food. But actually tea, so green teas, um, black teas, um, berries, these are all polyphenol-rich foods. And these are amazingly good health foods which support the gut. So those are my takeaways if you're thinking about how can I support my gut health over Christmas if I may be indulging um, in you know, a little bit more alcohol, a little bit more uh, different kinds of rich foods, but actually you can support your gut alongside that by regularly accessing these three peaks. That is cool. And it's, I suppose it's, it's like, I mean, I'm, I'm not a dietitian. I don't, don't have any kind of like background understanding of any of that, but I swear it's kind of, the three p's maybe not but like that's like that diversity of things it's kind of like innate we do actually know these things but we just kind of you know life takes over and it's easier to grab the you know chicken nuggets than it is to to cook something up and i suppose teachers kind of need to take that responsibility i suppose to actually do do what's needed um to look after themselves and, and you said that it, it helps your mental health how how does how does your gut help your mental health 
Oh, it's a lovely question and an important question. Um, so what's really interesting is around about 50% of human calories across the planet come from three foods. I don't know if you're going to guess what they are. Your listeners might guess what they might be, Gemma. Do you want to give it a go? Are we, I'm just putting you on the spot here. <laughs> um, I'm going to assume wheat. Correct. Yes, wheat. Yeah. <laughs> One out of three. Oh, gosh. Um, um, I really don't know. Some sort of other type of carbohydrate, I'm going to guess. But I don't know which one to guess. Okay, I have, I'm a bit unfair because I put you on the spot. We hadn't talked about it before. <laughs> so, wheat is correct. Uh, rice. I, I was, I was um, gonna say an alpha. No. <laughs> yeah, very. Yeah, rice and corn, corn or maize, as sometimes called. So, um, so grains, so, essentially. Grains. And what's really interesting is a lot of people have kind of got onto the gluten-free trend because a lot of people have some issues with, particularly in the UK, we have a lot of wheat in our diets and we tend to eat very similar things you just talked about your chicken nuggets which are probably coated in a, a bread cut crumb you know which is a wheat-based product pizzas pastas pastries you know a lot of these are wheat-based products and sometimes you eat a lot of a specific grain or specific food you're more likely to build up maybe a food intolerance over time so this is why diversity is good um, and Again, it's thinking about how can we support that with our food choices. And, and like you said, sometimes when you're time poor, and I know teachers can feel really, really time poor, um, one thing to do is, is your freezer can become your friend. I mean, certainly around this time of year, it's great to have foods, you know, batch cooking, freeze, you know, freeze um, fridge or freezer. So you've got that access really quickly. You know, you know the stress points in your week. You know those busy days when you're probably going to get home late and you have a meeting and you just want to have those foods easily available and you know what you've prepared is going to be good for you. Soups are brilliant at this time of year as well. Packing in pulses is a lovely way of kind of raising your energy levels and supporting, your, um, supporting you to feel good. So you asked me about the relationship between gut health and mental health and it's a really fascinating area of new research um, and what is being discussed is the gut brain axis and this is the relationship the connection between the gut and the brain and the gut and the brain are connected by something called the vagus nerve and it's this beautiful long wandering nerve that starts in the brain goes down the right side of the neck passes through part of the heart and goes down through into the intestine it threads into the intestines and if it was a kind of um, a superhighway, a 10-lane superhighway, about six of the lanes would be going from the gut to the brain and about four from the brain to the gut. So actually, this is about the gut-brain connection. And we kind of know a bit about it, don't we? We talk about intuition, we talk about instincts, gut instincts in our language. We know the gut shapes how we feel. We might, have, you know, and even how we think and maybe how we make decisions. And the gut has a lot of wisdom. And actually, what's really interesting about our gut microbiome, this inner world of bacteria in our gut, is that they have a crucial role in synthesizing our feel-good hormones like dopamine and serotonin. So they need the right foods to support them to create these hormones, which actually can support our well-being. And there's really strong evidence, increasingly, of some longitudinal studies looking at the impact of people who have very limited similar foods very processed foods and drink foods um, 
over time having more likelihood to have depression and anxiety because it's actually not supporting our brain and our gut to, to be healthy by eating those same foods and those highly processed foods. I think we kind of know it, you know, even though we have those foods and we might kind of get that little temporary high and kind of that sated feeling, actually we don't feel great in an hour or two. And so it's like that how to have those lovely, wholesome, real foods um, as much as possible. And um, something I tend to encourage people to do is just have a kind of little look on the back of the packet. You know, if you buy something, just check on the back of the packet. And if you like feel like, I think I need a PhD in chemistry to work out what I'm actually eating, <laughs> it probably isn't doing your gut much good because there's probably quite a lot of emulsifiers, artificial sweeteners. There's probably a lot of things packed in there which are not going to do your gut or your gut microbiome um, any good. Mm. That's really interesting. I mean, I mean, I so I I I don't know whether I'd say I have IBS. I'm not really sure whether that's the fair thing, but mine is quite like anxiety driven, and actually, like it's really interesting that that, that description of like that highway and that actually your your brain and your gut have got a far closer connection. Um, that's really it's really fascinating to hear. It is really fascinating to hear, and I think. Um, Actually, it's it lives in our language as well, doesn't it? I think we know that those stronger instincts in our language, we talk about that. And I think one of the really simple practices you can do is you can actually improve your vagal tone. So this is the tone of the, the vagus nerve, which connects the gut um, and the brain. And some of the really simple practices that I talk about in calm your gut is actually how to use breath practices to be a little bit more mindful and they can support that relationship. Um, so I teach um, belly breathing practices. So kind of sometimes when we're hyper anxious, we actually breathe with our with our chest very shallowly. And by taking the breath much lower, we actually um, stimulate the vagus nerve and it supports us to feel immediately calmer. And I think when we're super stressed, we're often in what we call um, our sympathetic nervous system response so we're kind of easily triggered everything becomes an emergency everything is kind of urgent and speedy and stressful and actually by practicing breathing a little bit more deeply and tuning into our gut and breathing into the base of our belly uh, we actually naturally create a system where we're in our parasympathetic nervous system response where we are a little bit more aware, we maybe have a little bit of perspective, we feel calmer. And I would also suggest that when you're eating, because we are, you know, over Christmas, we're asking our digestive tract to do a lot of work for us. You know, we're going to be eating and drinking a lot of different things that may or may not be so good, um, is to do it in kind of quite a calm way, sometimes to take a few breaths before you eat. So you're a little bit more mindful uh, and you're preparing the digestive tract ready to do the work that you're asking it to do with the foods that you consume. And it might sound like a really simple thing, but it can be quite powerful just to slow down that process of, of tuning into your gut and, and preparing food. That sounds brilliant. I'm definitely going to be doing that over Christmas because, I mean, it, there's such a tendency, isn't it? We're just like, the food's there and you're like, right, okay and shovel it in without really thinking about it and particularly if you you know like if christmas day you know the turkey is a bit late or whatever by the time you get to it, you're absolutely starving and you just don't really think about it you just kind of 
Hoover it up without even like tasting it or anything. Um, I think that mindfulness is really valuable. Yeah, and I think I, I've, I've certainly seen that in my family where sometimes we sit there and it's like hours of planning and preparation and shopping and all this food and then someone's in the kitchen or, you know, group people peeling and and then suddenly it's like the food's there and it's like, where did that go? You know, <laughs> 15 minutes later. So slowing down and kind of being a bit more mindful and really thinking. At, and what that also does is it actually helps us to tune in when we're full because there's often a delay between the sense of, this, the, the kind of registering of being sated in the brain and actually being full to the point of being uncomfortable and bloated. So a little bit of slowing down can actually support you to be, oh, okay, I'm actually full. I recognise that. I'm going to be really uncomfortable if I have that extra slice or that extra portion. So it helps just to regulate a little bit more and allows your gut to do the work because it's quite a powerful chemical process to actually digest all of our food and we need to give it a space to do that. Yeah. Which I suppose is, is where the afternoon nap on Christmas Day comes into its own as well. Absolutely. That, that really does help. That's definitely dropping into the parasympathetic nervous mode. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So, I mean, you know, we've talked a lot about like teacher, I mean, I suppose it's, it's everyone's gut, I suppose, but it, it, what what can we be what messages can we be giving our students as well about their gut health? Is there any, I mean, obviously like we're not going to add to the list of things that teachers are now qualified as doing, including like social care and everything else that teachers are made to do, but what, what things may be useful for a teacher to pass on to a student that's quite bite-sized? <laughs> I made a pun. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> I think this simple bite-sized takeaway, um, and I love that wording as well, is just to, if a student, if you have students who are feeling regularly anxious, you know, or stressed, you know, who are articulating that and sharing that, it's just to be aware that actually the foods they're regularly eating might have an impact on that. And that awareness, like, I think that's a really powerful bit of knowledge, actually, to be aware and I, I certainly know from times when, you know, in the classroom, you see the student with the energy drink, the sugary drinks, and I know a lot of schools and colleges have taken steps to remove those or ban those because we know that, you know, they can trigger a whole host of, of behaviours. But just thinking about um, having a breakfast, um, making sure that they're eating fresh foods. And I just think... Um, this, is, this can be an important part of the, of the jigsaw, an important part of the equation, just starting to have a little bit more ownership around how their foods might be making them feel. Um, and I think you're right. I mean, teachers take so much responsibility for so many different things and just not adding to the list. But I certainly think if, if a tutor sees maybe a student who's particularly struggling, it would be, it would be worth exploring that, um, what their typical diet is. Um, I often get the people that I work with who have underlying gut health problems, I often get them to keep a food diary. And the part of that is to understand bloating or discomfort. But the other part is actually I ask them to check, to check their mood. How does a food make them feel a few hours after they've had it? Do they notice maybe they have dullness or brain fog or, um, you know, I was talking about sugar early on, after the sugar crash, they feel increased anxiety. So 
it's a wonderful way of maybe having a little bit more ownership and understanding of how foods then make you feel um and yeah i think i think that's that can be quite a simple quite a light way of maybe entering that conversation um with, with pupils or students yeah and i think actually in a way that kind of feeds into kind of the way that we as a society kind of go you know like i mean i've literally got my my um sports watch on me right now like we like tracking things and like being organized and stuff so i'm sure there's probably apps as well where you can track those types of things and just kind of i suppose meeting the student part way in, in a way of just like this bit it's actually quite a fun activity you know like to, to actually do to to learn more about yourself and like you said awareness is actually like you know we talk about like what we can do to improve our, our mental health or our well-being and, and generally you know thrive more in our lives but actually awareness is like the biggest chunk of that in a way because it's without being aware of it you you don't know what's what is going on anyway yeah i think that's a lovely way of putting it i think um obviously um something I didn't mention at the introduction is I have a background in mindfulness and um, a big part of my book is also around mindfulness and self-compassion um, and I think knowledge is a really important part of a really important building block of changing our behaviour and I think as we come, we're talking about Christmas but also New Year is famously the time when we make lots of resolutions and we're going to be super fit and we're going to eat all this stuff and, and it's almost a reaction to overindulging and the excesses of Christmas. But I think if we're looking at making sustained changes, what we're often looking at is quite small things, like quite small things that will have a big impact on how we feel. Um, and being kind of more knowledgeable, both as, as teaching staff, but also for pupils and students to be more knowledgeable, that can inform really, really specific changes that are quite manageable to make. Um, so reducing the amount of sugar that we eat, reducing the amount of ultra processed foods that we eat, trying to eat, more diverse range of foods, trying to eat more real foods. It's just, it, these are really simple things that we can commit to and kind of make those changes over time. And it's also about that, you know, I talked a bit about compassion, self-compassion. Actually, that's, we can sometimes go, I'm going to treat myself with, you know, opening the bottle of Prosecco. And yeah, that's a treat. But actually, how does it actually make you feel the following day? And is there another way that you might, how else can you treat? What else might actually be good for you in a more holistic way? And it's, sometimes it's those decisions, isn't it? And, um, and of course, we, we need to treat ourselves. Of course, we do. And there's lots of ways that we can do that. But it's just that balance sometimes about how we make those decisions. I hear you. I mean, I was literally looking at this last night because I was like, right, doing this thing today and I'm really excited about that and I'm going to reward myself and my brain was going chocolate and I was like no champagne no and literally just trying to find different different ways you're absolutely right because it is kind of our I'll go to because it is it is a treat yeah yeah and, and I think a little bit of champagne a little bit of chocolate great yeah please we, we need to have those we need to have those at Christmas and if anyone deserves them it's the teaching teams who are getting through oh, yeah. to the end of this really busy time um and I think it's then how do we counterbalance those? How do we also make sure we're looking after our gut health? Um, one of the things, if you are choosing alcohol pretty consistently, red wine is uh, polyphenol rich and it has got some health benefits in moderation, I've got to say. Um, but <laughs> certainly it's probably one of the better forms of alcohol to have in terms of its health benefits and, and 
gut health benefits. Um, and I think it's it's about how do we treat ourselves, but also sometimes it's like treat yourself because we're going for the lovely walk and the fresh air. You know, it's 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 the other things as well. Is it's that balanced picture of, of reframing sometimes what is what is the treat. Um, and I think especially at a time when we're exhausted, it can sometimes feel like we just kind of we're just crawling through to the end of term. But how do we uh, nurture, you know, the, the lie in, the kind of extra hour of bed, the other, you know, actually, you know, I love a lovely cup of tea in bed. That's like one of my ultimate luxuries. And actually, that's a lovely way of kind of self-care and yeah. you know, looking after yourself when you're exhausted. So it's, it's those simple things. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Cara, I could talk to you all day long. You are full of wisdom. An absolute pleasure to speak to. Thank you so much for joining me. Gemma, it's been lovely. And I wish you and everyone listening a wonderful Christmas and a very well-deserved break. And yeah, so long. It's been, been great to chat. Yeah. Uh, thanks. <laughs> Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DFE-validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. There was so much great stuff in that interview with Cara and Ravala has said, I'm getting educated here. You're absolutely right. There's so much useful stuff. And it actually kind of highlights like, typically we really don't know that much about our bodies really in the grand scheme of things. You know, we've kind of got those common sense understandings, like, you know, the, that, the whole concept and language of like, you know, your gut feeling and things. And I, definitely rely on my gut a lot for my decision making like if something feels right in my gut I'm like okay this is good to do and if it doesn't then I do tend to um you know consider whether it's the right thing to do for me and also those tips about you know looking after yourself making sure that you're getting a variety of food and you know again you're probably listening to this going I've got enough to do Gemma I don't need more to do list. I don't now need to know that my chicken nuggets are not the good thing to do although I know they're not the right food for me but I haven't got time to like cook something each night for my lunch each day but like things like bulk cooking at the weekends like I started that habit on my PGC and it was just brilliant because at the end of the day I could not be bothered to cook anything for myself so having already done it you know, I loved past me <laughs> any day of the week. I was like, yay, past me did cooking. And that's just brilliant. I'm so glad for it. Um, And also just like even that connection with mental health is just really, really fascinating as well. Like I think we do kind of innately know that like, you know, eating lots of sugary stuff, you know, you get that boost and then you just feel rubbish afterwards and you just feel really naff. And then the way to get that vibe again is to eat more of, of the same stuff it's it's not a, a great um cycle to be in 
I'm talking about like how do you reward yourself because I'm I definitely am that type of person where I'm just like okay cool I've done something good right I'm gonna go you know gotta go to a shop and buy myself a treat I've got several lovely cafes um on the main road just next to me and it's just like how can I like not go to those they're just absolutely delicious the cakes that they do um but it's finding other things so for instance um yesterday um my celebration that I had instead I did some photography so I took some photos of my um, Christmas tree and I did some like you know um bokeh like style photography um or even just just sat down and read a book for an hour and it was just like those are actually the things that really do kind of nourish you like don't get me wrong the occasional chocolate is a wonderful nourishment but actually it's it's those little things and it goes back to what um julia skinner was saying earlier on in the show that what you need to do as a teacher and i don't want to use the word need as if like it's another thing on your to-do list but it is it's really important that you force yourself to do you know other things you know if you're a type of person that at the moment you're just so exhausted that you get home and you know thank goodness you've got a frozen pizza in the freezer and uh netflix all the way um cowboy bebop is my um choice at the moment it it doesn't you know that's cool every now and again like yeah we should definitely like indulge and like chill and and you know have a netflix night but it is also like it's the little things that also just kind of like revitalizes and they charge up our batteries and they make us feel good. Um, whether it is like, you know, coming in and having just a long conversation with your partner where the phones aren't out and the TV's not on, or whether it's like going out for an evening walk, whatever it is, you know, finding those things that refill you and, help you offload and I know that school kind of becomes the priority but (laughs) I was about to say it's just the job and I don't mean it in that sense like oh it should just be nine till five and you should be able to switch off from it but it is not the complete story of your life it is one valuable important aspect but there is more to life than the work that we do and you know if we truly believe that then we would live that as well and I think that we do you know if you consider that number of teachers that may grow to resent teaching because all they do is is work um and what what message is that sending to our students as well you know we we put pressure on them to do well in their assessments and their exams and we start kind of giving this like subconscious kind of message that hard work is the most important thing and that you'll be able to have fun and live your life or whatever later on and the thing is later on stuff sometimes doesn't even come and we need to kind of remember that actually we're here now we're living now and and now we should be doing not only the job that brings us joy, but the other aspects of our lives, our other hobbies, our activities, the people in our lives that bring us joy. And, you know, as we run up to Christmas, you know, that's kind of a a mole that's kind of reminded, you know, reminded to 
um, care about the people in our lives, you know, look beyond ourselves. I'm thinking of um, a Christmas carol right now. Um, and, you know, the fact that Scrooge is just kind of like, he's he's not going to have a good afterlife or anything because he's he only cares about, well, in his case, just, you know, the money. But if we only care about the jobs, then we really don't leave much living to ourselves afterwards. And I suppose I'm going to end this show. It sounds a bit on the downer, and I don't think that was my intention at all. But, you know, are you being a Scrooge to yourself? Are you resisting not working? Are you resisting switching off? Are you resisting um, not doing things that bring you joy because you feel like you haven't done your to-do list and therefore you don't deserve to do them? You know, what's where's that heading? What's the long-term effect of that? And I feel like I feel like the Christmas spirits because that was kind of that was my story. That was my teaching story. And it ends in burnout and it ends in you leaving the job that you truly love. And I wouldn't want that for anyone, really. Um, So, you know, as we go into Christmas and as we go into a new year as well, and that idea of a new start and new excitement and new energy for new things, you know, think about actually what is it that you want from life? You know, obviously teaching so valuable, but what more is there also that can then also enrich your teaching as well and enrich your, your student experience as well? God, that went a bit deep, didn't it? That did go a bit deep at the end. Sorry about that, people. <laughs> or, or you're welcome if you appreciated it either way. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure to spend my Tuesday afternoon with you all. This is my last show on Teachers Talk Radio. And it's been an absolute blast. I've really, truly loved it. And I wish you all the most merriest of Christmases. If you want to continue to follow uh, me at all, you can find me on Twitter at Gemma underscore Drinkle. I will see you there. But have a lovely Christmas. Have a Merry New Year. Said that the wrong way around. Never mind. Toodles, everyone. Have a great time. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.